Welcome to the Inspire Podcast. I'm Heather Tice, and this is a place where the unexpected and sometimes crazy moments of life meet up with sacred truth. It's where we get together to talk with other real Christian women who are living out their purpose in a unique way that only their sovereign creator God could have designed. Our hope is that while you're here, you'll laugh a lot, be blessed by the ways that God moves among his daughters, maybe find an idea or two, and most of all, that you'll be inspired to live for him in the week ahead of you. So whether you're washing dishes, getting in some exercise, or just driving on your daily commute, we're so glad that you've joined us here at the Inspire Podcast. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast. Today, I have three lovely ladies sitting here with me, and I just cannot wait to introduce you to each of them. So I've got Angela Budavari here. Angela, say hello. Hello. We'll get to know each of these ladies better in just a moment. I've got Tashika Halamariam here. Hello, everyone. And then I've got Bernadine Bell. Hello, everyone. And your name just sounds Southern. Yes, I everybody love tells me that. <laughs> Bernadine Bell. That's yes. the name I am comfortable saying. Southern Bell. So um, these ladies are joining me today. They're all friends of mine. And of course, they're part of Southern Hills Baptist Church. So ladies, I hope if you don't know them already, you'll get to know them. Um, they are wandering the halls here on Sunday. So you got to look out for them. And they're here to share with us something so um, really, I guess, an important topic for today, something that I have personally a lot of questions about as a Caucasian or let's just say white. Like, that's the other thing. Y'all got to tell me what we got to say here. Okay. <laughs> but as a white woman, there are things that I have questions about and sometimes that we just don't understand about what it's like to walk in another person's shoes. And so I've got these wonderful, godly women here, um, all African-American, here to share with us a little bit about their journey and what they've seen, um, what life is really like as an African-American woman, a Christian, first and foremost, African-American woman in today's world. So, But we want to get to know you ladies a little bit first, okay? So let's start out, and this is a question that's not on the email I sent you. I try to give a few heads up. But it's an easy one. So tell us where you're originally from. Okay, Angela, where are you from? Um, I'm originally from California, Orange County, Irvine, California. Orange County. All right. Tashika, where are you originally from? I am from Oxnard, California. Good. Ventura County. All right. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Yep, our Southern Belle over here. All right. So we've got two Californians and two Southerners. So we, I feel like we should play a board game now. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins? You know, East Coast, West Coast here. <laughs> okay. We always ask this on our podcast. So I'm going to let whoever wants to go first first. But I want you to tell me your pet peeve. What just gets your goat? For me, it's pettiness. 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 It's your pet peeve. Yes. Yeah. I can't stand for people to be petty. <laughs> I mean, like, if it's if it's not a big deal, if, for me, if something happens, if it could be corrected, let's fix it. Right. Don't complain about it. Let's fix it. You know, some people go overboard on stuff that, you know, can be fixed, but rather than fix it, it's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, just I just to complain about and every right, little thing. Right, yeah. Right. So, is there a difference between pettiness and like a critical spirit? Not much. Not much. Not much. Okay, <laughs> so it's like the same thing. I, I get that. 
So a critical spirit, someone who's always just bringing the negative, can't appreciate stuff. Yep. Won't let stuff go. All right. Who's next? That's a good one. Uh, mine definitely is talking during movies or a show. <laughs> um, I can't I can't stand it. And I will ignore you. It, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the president of the United States, the husband, the child who's bleeding. If you're talking during a movie or a television show, I just I can't take it. I get really irritated. If I can, I will stop it and replay it over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's me. Have y'all ever been in a movie theater where someone is talking? Oh, yes. oh my gosh, yes. My yeah. whole family. Yeah. We go to the movies like, our husbands are like, oh. <laughs> we're late. It's you, Bernadine. They're just trying to hear what's going <laughs> on. That's the men in the movies. It's, it's, my sister's worse than me. Oh my yeah, God. I've never experienced it excessively. Just kind of like, you kind of turn your head and look at them, make eye contact, and then... Okay, I had a first in church and in the theater. So people answering their phone and having full-on conversations in both places. So I went to see Harriet, about Harriet Tubman, which I know you went to see that too, Angela. I went to see oh, it. so good. Oh, Tashinka, you got to go. Yes. It's amazing. She's it's like good. my new hero. I've got to read a book on her. Woman of faith, amazing. But anyway, right after the um, advertisements of coming attractions ended, this woman gets up and is like answering her phone. And instead of walking to like the hallway back behind, mm-hmm. she goes and stands in the front section off to the side. How does that make it better? It doesn't affect one, one of those ladies. Uh, and I'm not playing this, but we were, I think, the only two white people in that particular theater. And two of the ladies behind me were like, we can still hear you. <laughs> she didn't pay them any oh, mind. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then we had a lady recently in service, y'all. She was like up front and she answered her phone. And now I will say to her credit, she kept it short and she didn't do most of the talking. I've seen people that had to emergencies and had to take a call and get up and leave or whatever. But I've never seen anyone sit there up front and have a full on conversation. (laughs) So that is a good pet peeve. Yeah. Good pet peeve. Talking in the movies. But you even mean at home. Yeah. Like if you're asking me a question, don't. <laughs> It'll all make sense in the end if you watch the movie. Right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's why I was a good student because I was the same way. If the teacher is talking, you're not talking. I wasn't yeah. those kids to have side conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even now, that's why I was like, Don, in choir practice, we cannot sit together because Jason is talking. <laughs> I can't talk to you. I don't want you to get offended. Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. That's awesome. All right, Miss Angela, what you got? Well, I'll say in light of the season, holiday season, one of my pet peeves is folks in line complaining and huffing and puffing and breathing all heavy in back of you because they're in line to purchase an item. And it's Christmas time. We're all here. And if you didn't want to wait in line, you should have shopped on Amazon like everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Right. I love it. We're all in the same boat. Just cool your jets. Right. And the yeah. lines go pretty quickly. I mean, they're, they look intimidating. And when you see it, it's daunting because you're like, oh, snap. But yeah. you already know that's the price you pay when you're in the stores during this time of year. So why are you seriously sitting there all annoyed like it's March yeah. 4th or something? That's good. Mm-hmm. March 4th. <laughs> Just a random day. Oh <laughs> what is March 4th? Who is in line on March 4th? Is there a sale I am missing? <laughs> no. 
Great. Okay. So um, I don't normally ask this question, but I'm asking it today. And you can give us a ballpark figure. That's the caveat I'm going to put in. Okay. Because I'm going to ask how old you are. Because, and we were sharing a little bit of this. We try not to share too much beforehand, but uh, you ladies have lived very different lives, very different generally. 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 You know what I mean? Yes. Generally. Generationally. There's that word, yeah. okay, yeah. came out finally. But um, give us a little bit of an idea of maybe the era you grew up in, maybe your elementary teen years, or so you can ballpark it, or you can, you know, let us know. So when were you a kid and a teenager? What decades? Right. I'm a Gen Xer. I'm a bicentennial baby, born in 1976. I just had a birthday. Proud to say I just turned 43 years old. Awesome. So, yeah, I was an a 80s kid, 90s in high school, and... Yeah. yeah. All right. And happy birthday. Thank you. And why wasn't I invited? I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't have like a party. We went to a concert, but. Okay. Um, that makes me feel better because there ain't no party like an Angela party. No, and we didn't. Like <laughs> she is a fun lady. So. I don't know if you could handle an Angela party. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> we've done small group together. We've, we've, we've spent some time. We've played, had some game nights together. <laughs> We bowl together too. We did. We've done some crazy. Yeah, we did. But um, yeah, you are you are well and f- wearing forty well. Thank you. Just say thank you. All right. Yes. I hope I hope I do too because I'm so much younger <laughs> by a few years, just a few. <laughs> but I'm gonna t- remind you of it for the rest of our days together. That's okay. So I like good. being forty three. I'm looking forward to getting older. See, yeah. okay, and we're not even supposed to get into this yet. But can I just say, and this is just. Honestly, we're talking about race. I think you ladies age better than us white girls. Okay? You know what they say. Is it black don't crack? <laughs> like, I feel like, can I say that? Of course you can. Sure you can. <laughs> of course you yeah, can. You can definitely you can. say that. You're a sister. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, it's so true. Okay, men age better. And then I'm telling you, African-American ladies, just beautiful. Your skin's low and staying tight. Like, you look fantastic. I, I was teasing you about that you're older than me, but I think I look like I'm checking the mirror here. I think I look like I'm about a decade older no, than you. You do not. But it's no. not my fault. It's my race. No. It's my genes. No. <laughs> All right, Tashika, what about you? Uh, so I came up... Um, Mostly in the 90s, and then I did, like, high school, college during the, like, 2000s. So, um, I don't even know how to describe those times, but... Yeah, okay. (laughs) So, 90s. Yeah, well, you know, I'm okay with my age. Um, I am, wait, if I can remember it, actually. Um, I'm 32. I'm 32. 32. I'm 32. Um, And it's it's funny, because I was just telling Angela before, I was like another black lady at work so I saw her and I was like I had to go say something I was like why do you look the same like she is you know um probably beyond retirement age but you would not know and she just looks exactly the same every time I see her and um and she told me she's like honey black don't crack and I was like my black cracks because I've always felt older than what I than what I am and people will guess my age to be a lot older than what I am and I'm like I didn't get that it, that passed me it's because but, you're you were talking about being a good student and being serious minded and so that that gives you the perspective there it's, it's their right. wis it's your wisdom they're yeah. seeing thank you ladies yeah. God bless you God bless you don't you hate that too when you're trying to find beauty tips and they're just yeah. like giving you something that's not going to help you. Exactly. You're like, well, 
I'm there. I'm doing that. Give me something I ain't doing. Right. <laughs> I ain't being, you know. Right, right. All right, Miss Bernadine, what about you? I will be 64. Mm, good Christmas Day. <gasps> oh, wow. You were born up. on Christmas oh, Day. Christmas Day. Yeah. Do you have a Christmas name? Like, it's your middle name? Something <laughs> Christmassy? No. I have to ask because my daughter's born a week before Christmas really? and she, her middle name's Noel. Oh. Yeah. My middle name is Marie. Well, I always hated that name. <laughs> That's my mother's middle name. I was like, why me? So, I do the math. Middle name. Bernadine, you got to do the math for me. So, you would have been growing up as a kid and a teenager in what decades? 70s. Well, actually, yeah. yeah. So, you were a teen in the in 70s? The late 60s. I graduated from high school in 1972. Okay. <laughs> so really a lot of that growing up time was in the 60s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, but I, I well, really, I graduated from high school when I was 16. So I was a teenager. So okay. in the, what, 70, 1972, I was 16. So All right. It was kind of mid. And looking fantabulous, I must yeah. say. Yes, you do. Great. I think one of the keys, too, is you are very active and classy. Yeah, my mom's like that, though. Yeah. Well, that's one of my goals is trying to keep it active. Yeah. Fear that'll you help, right? Yes. So, I heard it helps. Okay. So uh, we're talking to a lot about your spiritual journey today as well and how the Lord has um, taught you things in the midst of these sometimes difficult times. So let's hear a little bit about that. So how long have you been saved? When did you trust Christ as your Savior? I always usually when I ask that question have to say, or is that something you need to do today? <laughs> and it's just about it. If you're listening and you're like, I haven't made that decision, seriously, you need to email us at inspire at southernhillslv.com or contact our church. And hopefully you're a part of the church, but maybe you're listening, you're not. Listen, if you don't know that heaven's your home, you can know because that makes all the difference in the world. That means, and you're going to find out in this podcast, that no matter what you go through, God uses all things for our good. But um, ladies, tell us, when did you trust Christ? I know for you, all three of you have made that decision. Um, I think it's been about 11 years, 10 or 11 years. Okay. Yeah. So over a decade. My goodness, that would be right after you came to Southern Hills, right? Yes. I think it took me like two years of coming (laughs) before I finally got saved. But that was way back when we were in the other building and we used to raise our hand and someone would gently tap us. And I remember, I think it was Jennifer Fountain. God bless her. She was so like startled when she tapped me and I looked at her like, what are you doing here? She's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So I, it took me two years. Yeah. It took me two years to finally do it, but yeah. um, best decision I ever made. And when you say someone would tap you, that was to talk to you about salvation. Yes. It sounds like a game of like seven up or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, someone would talk to you. And I think there was like a back room you could go game. to and, yeah, and pray on real it. creepy, yeah. like you can go to the back room. You like, you're brand new here. Would you like to go to the back room? It felt creepy. I was like, I didn't know by raising my hand someone was going to come approach me. Yeah, I think in the southern cultures maybe the, yeah. it's the more churchy. So that's, that's why just, I got baptized. Yeah, people are used to it. Yeah, There's that, like but there, that uh, tradition of, oh, you go down front, you pray at the altar, yeah, you're going to yeah, talk to someone. Yeah. But out here, that was something new. So we've we've worked with making uh, it a little easier and not freaking people out so much. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of interesting stories about freaking people out over the years. It freaked me out. Yeah. But. Right. Mr. Sheikah, what about you? Um, so I was 11 years old uh, when I accepted Christ. Um, 
we had just barely moved, I believe, to Nevada. And um, my mom and my stepdad, they didn't go to church, but she had got invited by a friend of a friend. And we went. And um, about the second time we went, the pastor preached about the heart. And I was just, like, so convicted. And um, and I it was funny because I'd been to church, you know, in and out all of my life because my grandfather was a preacher. But I was just grandfather's preacher's kid in the church um, but I didn't really understand the message or who Jesus was but it hit me that day and and I tell you it was it was beautiful you know you see those dogs you know in the car and they're just like out of the window and their ears are flapping in the wind <laughs> that's how I felt the day I got saved because I did I put my my head out the window and I was just I just felt like this freedom and this this happiness this joy and I was like oh my gosh you know um, and I was just seeing the world in a, in a different way. So, um, you know, I didn't want to move to Nevada, but thank God I did because mm-hmm. since I did, I found Christ and then found this church and it's been a blessing. I love your description of salvation because that is so true in your life, Tashika, is I think every woman that knows you can see that about you and has loved hearing you teach because you do just express that love for the Lord and that joy in yeah. Him. So, yeah. All right, Miss Bernadine, what about you? Well, for me, uh, I don't know, as a little girl, I always sensed the presence of God. There was a, I would only go so far in being disobedient because I would think, oh, God wouldn't want me to do that. <laughs> but yeah. I wouldn't say, um, well. Well, you were raised in church, right? Were you raised in church? Not. My mom sent us to Sunday school, but she didn't go. She would send us, yeah. but she didn't go. And um, I guess I was about 16 when my mom did start going to church, I guess. Um, but I went to a Baptist church, and the pastor never preached about the Holy Spirit. He would only teach about Jesus. And as a little girl going to this Baptist church, I believed in Jesus. I believed who he said he was. I can't, I, I don't, I, it's kind of hard to say. I can tell you when I had my born again experience. Right. When you really understand. I think there's a, maybe is there a difference? Sometimes I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think um, when you know Jesus, you're the only way to, you are God. You yes. are the only way to heaven. I'm trusting you. Even if you don't understand that you get the Holy Spirit at salvation, even if you don't understand the great transaction of sin to him and and grace, his righteousness to you, um, you can still trust Christ. I didn't understand all that at six when I made that decision. So I guess I was about when I had my born again experience, Mm -hmm. I guess I may have been about 30 Okay, so been in church, been sensitive to the Lord, but it was at that point where you really called upon Him for salvation and eternity. When my life actually changed, when I accepted Christ in my heart Mm -hmm. as my Savior, Mm -hmm. when when I when I felt um, empowered to Mm -hmm. live for God, you know, I believed who in Jesus Christ that who He said he was as you know growing up but I I didn't have that experience. So it became really personal for you at 30. Yeah it became personal. See now that's going to be interesting because you may be sharing some experiences you had um, with racism 
you know, or um, anger or I don't know what other words to use, ladies, honestly. Mm -hmm. But some things that were just flat out sin against you for the color of your skin that maybe happened even before salvation. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, you still believed in God and he was still working and drawing you to him. But it's interesting to see maybe how those experiences were different and viewed differently after salvation. So interesting. Okay. All right. I got to ask some questions here. Okay. Because I am white as can be. And there's so many things I don't know. And I had Angela and another sweet sister of mine, Janice, in small group. And I remember I would think see things posted on Facebook. And it was like something about what was the comb? That something about Easter. And it was a hot comb. Oh, that straightened getting hair. your hair pressed for Easter. Get your hair pressed for Easter. Oh, yeah. And I could not figure out what in the world it was talking about. It's like each one of you knows what this is like, how much it hurt, how great it looked. I'm like, what is this thing? Just thinking so about I, that. It was so great oh, to come to small group and be like, what is this? Explain this to me. And then the conversation went off and I learned so much. Okay. So uh, I have some questions because there's some ladies out there, you know, who just are like, I just need to know. Okay, first question. Are you ready? Yeah. Rapid fire here. So, do you prefer to be called black or African American? Because I just read somewhere that a majority of African Americans prefer black, but that just seems wrong because I've been trained all my teen years. You say African American. Right. All right. So, what's the deal? For me, it makes no difference. Okay. I've never. Never cared. No. Okay. I prefer black. I prefer to be called black. But I will say when someone who's not black is referring to black people, I prefer to hear African-American. Okay. So now is that people you don't know? Like me, Um, someone that you know, does it make a difference or no? It it probably does. Like I know you, obviously we have a rapport and we're friends. So, you know, you saying black and or African-American, you saying African-American sounds too formal for us to be as close as we are. Okay. But like in terms of if it's, you know, a newscast or if it's an article or even if they say black Americans, I just feel like it's, you know, formal I prefer it to sound a little more formal, but, you know, growing up the time that I did, African-American was very like, I feel like it was new. I don't know, Bernadine, you tell me, like, I don't remember that being a term until I was like late elementary school, maybe. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like that (laughs) African-American, you know, it was all about like embracing that pride to be an African and American at the same time. Um, And it sounded so much better than black, which when you're younger, when I was younger, it just had this like negative connotation to it. Um, Now that I've gotten older and, you know, I I think my frame of mind has changed and I realized, like Bernadine says, it really doesn't matter which way you go. It's all the same (laughs) in in a sense. Um, And now because our culture and I mean, we've always just been. Yes, we've always been a melting pot of people in this country. But now because, you know, there are people who are white and from South Africa and they consider themselves African-American. I worked with a lady like that. Yeah. A white lady who was South African and she considered (laughs) herself an African-American. And we had a really interesting conversation about that. And so through dialogues like that and meeting different people, Mm -hmm. um, it really made me realize 
realize like maybe black American or black is more appropriate. Um, but yeah, for me, like in terms of, you know, just talking, like if somebody's trying to describe me, you know, they can call, oh, you know, she's a black lady and, and I'm okay with that. Um, if I'm reading something or someone's doing something very formal or, or presenting or doing an article, a newscast, whatever, I probably prefer to hear, you know, black Americans or African Americans, black Americans probably because I think that just kind of encompasses the diaspora of all See, African I've people. I never use the term black Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I almost yeah. always go African American because yeah, I'm in your generation, even though you're older. Yeah. I'm in your generation. <laughs> So, you know, I think I think I told you guys this before, but, you know, I like long titles. I don't have, I have long titles, long sen- sentences. So I'm naturally inclined to African-American. Um, and then I just feel like uh, as a personal preference, that's more um, it's more fitting. Um, you know, it's just more fitting. That's uh, and then the, the, the black part, um, like if you called me either one, it wouldn't make a difference because um, quite frankly to me it's, it's secondary if not, you know right. I don't know what they call it, third place but um, it, you <laughs> <Third> know <area. laughs> there you go um, so it, it doesn't matter what you call me because you know, I already know who I am right. um, you know, and I and I totally prefer child of God I'm going to claim that all day, it's like that's, yeah. that's number one, but um, you know, the black, I, I remember in elementary school like Angela was saying, like, you know, the black has a, a negative connotation. And even with my six-year-old son, there he's already experiencing it himself, and he refuses to be called black. He really? says, I am brown. And I'm like, yes, you are brown. That's right. Yes, you are brown. And so, and, um, you know, I got into a conversation with him, and I'm still learning how to grow kids God's way. And it was probably... a too deep of a conversation to have with a six-year-old, but I'm like, we've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I'm like, you know, um, you know, no, we're, we're not black. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of different Brown people. Um, and the colors are so beautiful. And, you know, when you're looking from a a child perspective, they're just looking at color. Mm -hmm. That's all they know. So it's okay for them to go ahead and, and, and say a color because that's Mm -hmm. as deep as they could get. But like Paul has said in the Bible, you know, when we get into adults, we got to walk away from that milk now and we got to get a little bit more. Um, we don't want to align ourselves with the culture, um, but we need to look from a wider perspective. We need to look from the perspective of God's word and say, you know, if I have to give you a label, let it be the most loving. Let it be the most non-offensive because I first, I need to see you as a child of God. Mm -hmm. But then secondly, if I have to give you a label and live with you and abide with you in this way, what is the most respectful label that I could give you? And for me, that's African-American because I have ancestry from Africa. But, you know, there's ancestry that everybody has and it's very diverse. And so we kind of limit ourselves sometimes. Um, And I can get long when it's all stopped. But I feel like, you know, those things, the African title and the black title they just limit you but we are so wonderfully and beautifully made there's yeah. i don't know if you guys did you know um the dna testing you know you catch yeah, it if like it's on sale this holiday yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you'll find out that you are just just beautifully made and to to yeah. be put in a box right. oh, oh man it's not cool that's so true and i knew i wasn't planning to go into this but i mean the truth of it for the christian is we all come right. from the same lineage. Yes. Right. I mean, that's yes. what I love. Answers yes. in Genesis. Absolutely. If you're looking for a great resource to learn more about this, 
but um, or just go to your Bible <laughs> because it's very clear that biblically part. that we all do come yes. from the yeah. same people, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and all the different shades are beautiful, which yes. is so great. I love that you pointed that out. Okay, another fun question. I don't know if that was fun. Go ahead. <laughs> For me, I can I can remember when we were called Negroes. Mm-hmm. So now, was that always offensive? Being called a Negro? Mm-hmm. No. No, and it, okay, so that was a term that at one time. Because we went from being called Negro mm-hmm. to being called Blacks mm-hmm. to being called African Americans. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Don't forget about colored. Oh, <laughs> colored. Color. That right. came from non creative people. That was, <laughs> right. was, colored, that was before right? Negro. That was colored before. was oh, first. Right. I can remember being called be, okay. colored. Mm-hmm. My stepfather, he still called black people colored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 oh, wow. So, we won't take the brother's card yeah. for that. That's the generation he came from, and that stuck in his yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah. He didn't take any offense to that because yeah. that's all he knew. Right. That's but. interesting you say that because I still meet older people. I, I used to work with seniors more than I do now, but and I would meet some older people that would be like, oh, yeah, no, this nice little colored girl right. came and she cleaned the house. And I'd <laughs> sit there and my eyes would just kind of be like, oh, OK. But I had to respect the fact that it wasn't in intentionally meant to be rude or disrespectful Mm -hmm. that was her generation that's That's where she came from that's what she's used to referring to black people as now we're talking about a christian african-american woman's perspective yes and that's so a christian perspective for any race is giving grace give grace like you were saying the one side of tashika is Mm -hmm. say what would be most loving yes. and then it's mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. what would be most loving right. mm-hmm. and that sometimes yeah. can be a difficult one I'm sure if you've had bad experiences yeah. and it all depends on where you are in the world mm-hmm. they still call black people Negroes mm-hmm. it all depends mm-hmm. go to South America or someplace you know they that's all they know that's true. Negro. and Negro is not nec- I don't necessarily consider Negro a a negative I think it term. Means black. Yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. just where you it are does. in the world. Yeah, and I don't consider well, I'll just it negative. Speak for the the white folks here, we are scared to death if we know anything. <laughs> if we're in the younger generation, like in fact, even just saying it a minute ago, I was like, Negro, I can't get it out. Like, I was like, this is I can't say this. I ain't allowed. <laughs> so, Listen. but um, okay, here's a fun one. Okay, so I learned this one in our small group. And I have laughed about it. I laugh about it still to this day, Angela. If I if I see an African American woman with a beautiful weave or a wig, is it called a wig? It's still a wig. It depends. Right? I mean some people wear wigs, some people wear weaves. There's but a weaves are like put there in. There is your a hair. difference. Yeah, but, weaves are put in. Okay, so the wigs either one. Mr. When I see it, on, it wigs put in. Right. Tashika. Girl. <laughs> yes. I will give you my story in a little bit. After this. Were you unsure? I, yes. But let me tell you why. Because from a very young age, even though I didn't know um, of the identity that was awaiting for me, which was in Christ Jesus, I still was very, um, you know, I was not okay with letting someone tell me who I was and, you know, what I was supposed to do and how I was supposed to be. And so... 
even though, you know, as a as a black or African-American woman, you know, God gave us this head of tresses and you can do marvelous, wonderful, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. all kinds of things with it. You guys, you guys see me. There's all kinds of stuff that happens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but that's a journey, just figuring that out in itself of how to really love and uh, work with what God has created here. Um, but I was just like, you know what? Um, my hair is not naturally straight. Now, if I get a hot comb or if I get a flat iron, it behaves and it does what it needs to do. Um, but it doesn't naturally do that. And why am I stressing out my life trying to be in a natural in this, you know, pseudo natural form? Mm -hmm. I refuse. What you see on my head is what God gave to me, whether it is done right or done wrong. This is how I came and I'm not going to change it up. And as far as like, you know, and I'm I'm nothing against makeup or anything, but, you know, this is just part of my um, craziness that, you know, came with me uh, being Tashika. But I was just like, even for makeup, you know, why am I going to spend all this time trying to present myself a certain way? When you're still gonna get me, so I gotta now I gotta spend money and wake up early. No, <laughs> I will just you be said me. So many things that just transcend race and just go completely into female <laughs> everything. Like right. Right. we all yeah. are trying to change our hair. Yeah. Like we ain't got curly, yeah. we're trying to curl it. If we got curly, we're trying to straighten it. I love it. And then now I will say towards the makeup. I grew up in the South, and I've heard many a good preacher say every old barn can use a new coat of paint, <laughs> and that's. <laughs> I am getting older. I am finding more and more yeah. coats of paint need to go on this here barn. So I, was, I, was I have to ask too, though. Cause... I got we gotta move on. I have to ask the question. So I did not know that sometimes, especially white women, would come up and ask to touch if you had beautiful braids in or something. Ask it. It's just braids, right? They don't ask with a wig. Girl, they ask for everything. Can I touch it? Is it yours? Is it? Is yeah. that a wig? Is it a weed? Your face like oh that. Oh my gosh! Like, why do you? Listen, if you're listening and you're like, oh my word, I asked that. Don't worry. You can, you know what? There is grace and there tomorrow is a new day. God gives you new mercies every morning, but don't do it again because it's weird. Okay. Yes. Well, it's just just one of those, it's just one of those things. Like I've worked with all kinds of people and all kinds of women and I love women. I love sisterhood. I love, you know, my Christian chick click. So it's like, if I see you've done something, you've done something different with your hair. Oh my gosh, that looks fabulous on you. You look great. It looks beautiful. Ooh, nice, healthy. I don't need to ask if it's yours. It doesn't matter. I don't want to touch it. I don't need to touch it. It's hair. Hair is hair is hair is hair. I felt hair before. I know what it feels like. What's funny to me is I, I know what braids feel like. You know, I think yeah, maybe I should touch somebody's hair. Not at all. Is there something different that I'm missing? Not at all. I think I have. I for a while there, I haven't done it in a while. But I'll, I'll start it back up again because I know you appreciate it. But every time I'd see you, I'd ask to touch your yeah. hair. Yeah, it just it's like our little happy. running joke now. Can I touch it? I'll take your fingers so, off. Yeah. So you've had that, Angela. Bernadine, you've said you've never had that happen. So just a different generation there. Different generation. Yeah. See, because I grew up going to school with all black kids. There were no white kids in the school with me. Yeah. So we didn't need to touch each other. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay. So getting into a little bit more serious topic here. Um, And hopefully this... I know it's going to be maybe difficult because you want to express it clearly, but it also could be painful. But um, if you could share with us 
if you've experienced some form of racism. And uh, one of the reasons I asked the ladies to share this, I shared very bluntly bluntly with them before, is because honestly, sometimes um, we just don't realize what's going on outside of our world, Mm -hmm. you know, um, as... I don't always understand what a military wife faces when her husband or son, you know, well, that wouldn't be a wife, that'd be a mother, but you know, someone with a military background, what they face when they, they leave the house or a police officer and his family, or I honestly don't know what you've experienced and what, um, other African-American women have experienced even today. And sometimes there's the idea, and you know, even in my heart, and we live in a, a place that is a bit more open, I think, Las Vegas, um, because we do. We're very multicultural. So um, in my mind, sometimes I'm like, oh, there's nothing really going on. It's fine. And I'm not trying to be ignorant. I'm just being real, real honest right. here. Well, you'd be surprised. Oh, Las yeah. Vegas is still well, the wild, wild west. Oh, really? <laughs> See, and that's what this is for, is to let us know a little bit. Um, I know... Uh, you're wonderful ladies. I have a dear friend who's um, younger than all of us in this room. And I was shocked. She didn't share it until I asked about it. And I was shocked with some of the things that even in a Christian culture, a Christian home, a Christian church and school, that some of the things that she was told and experienced. In fact, one of my favorite rec- recording artists, um, and you're talking about kids don't see color. I love this because my daughter Scarlett loves Jamie Grace. Y'all know Jamie Grace, right? Yes. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful African-American young woman. Um, just became a mother. She's fantastic. And she's the one that recorded God's Girl, if you've heard that song. Well, my little Scarlett loves that and her other. She's got all of Jamie's stuff. And um, she had told my husband one day that she's just like Jamie Grace because she's, you know, a pastor's daughter and all that. She's naming all these things. And never once does it cross her mind, you know, I'm white, she's black. And so I just love that. But I was shocked recently. Um, I appreciate her sharing this. And I think, I don't know if it was on Twitter, one of the social media platforms, she shared some things that had been said to her, awful things that just... I'm not exaggerating. Like, it makes my stomach hurt to think about it, that she would go to a church to sing for her Savior. And a pastor would look at her, and she was gracious enough not to share any other information about, you know, names, even state. But would look at her and said, if I had known you were African American, I would not have had you on a Sunday morning or something to that effect. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. In the body of Christ... And that's where I realized, Angela, I, I'm, I know that I am not. In the 21st century. Yes. And, oh and in church, in, in the family of God. Mm-hmm. And it just, I mean, seriously, it, some, when I hear things like that, when I heard what my younger friend had gone through, when I hear things from a woman that I've never met personally, but that I just love as a sister in Christ. And then it, it really does shake me and to think that she's young. That just happened. Both these women are very young. Mm-hmm. It just happened within the last few years in Christian circles. Right. But you know, the most segregated times or place in the world is the church now. It always right. has been. Hmm. In what ways? You think about it. it, especially in my generation and not just my generation, when I grew up or now. Churches were so segregated. You had the black church, you had the white church. And you think we're all, this is Christian. You call yourself a Christian. But if you go to church, you see a church that's all white. You see a church that's all black. And we know that's not God. You know, even now, if you just visit churches on Sunday morning, churches are the most segregated places that exist, even today. Mm. That brings up an an interesting thought because we've actually had pastors... um, share with 
us, you know, we'll, we'll be ministering with other pastors around the country. And we've had pastors express, we want our church to be more, more multicultural. Mm-hmm. And what steps do we take? And sometimes that's a hard thing because if you go into a church, like if I went into a church and it's all African-American mm-hmm. I, and I'm the only white person, I might feel you awkward. Feel but if I don't stay, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. is anyone else going to? And how, mm-hmm. what are some ways? Do you, could you give some advice to those in ministry? Again, in Vegas, we are so blessed because that's not yes. a, a really a battle. We still want to be more multicultural, but it's not a huge battle we've had to fight because it's so naturally a part of our community that we're multicultural. Mm-hmm. But is there anything that you think of that could help pastors reach out to not just African-American, but any other race in their community. Does that make sense to be more, more like truly heaven will be exactly with yeah. a, a multicultural group? Any thoughts on that? I know I just sprung that one yeah. on y'all. No, that's good. Like my, my thought is actually a question. My question would be, you know, to that person, to that church, um, to that ministry, where's your love? Because love takes care of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you when you have love, you know, not that this world knows it, but that the love that God gave to you, the love that should be flowing right. out of you, mm-hmm. that love, that real powerful, effective love, it does what it needs to do. It draws men right. to God. People will come. People will come. And, okay. you know, when we, when we found um, Southern Hills, I mean... That's the first thing that we saw, that we experienced, and we, like, it was like back to back, and we're like, what is this? Is it, (laughs) you know, this is, is this, is this what they're talking about? Like, it's real here, and then you come in, and then you see all kinds of people, and it, and it was beautiful, because, um, just like you were saying, Heather, you know, the church should be a picture of what heaven is, is going to look mm-hmm. like because exactly. aren't we all going mm-hmm. if yeah. we say we're going? Um, but exactly. Southern Hills, it just, you know, you had that because there's real love here. And if you go into a church and you see multi um, cultures, multi languages, multi anything, if there is a whole bunch of people praising God and they might not be praising God the same way and they might not have the same belief, but they're there because of that one name. Jesus, mm-hmm. then that's because they have love. But without love, you will not have any of those things. So the first question is check your love. Is your love that's right? That's really good. That's really good. It, it, it has to come from the head, though. That's mm-hmm. very true. Be Pastor, intentional. Intentional. And um, Pastor Josh is very relaxed. He's very open. He's, um, and, and, I think people are tired of having traditional church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you've ever been to that old traditional church, mm-hmm. you know, you just get tired of that. Right. Mm-hmm. It, uh, the tradition snuffs out the, the spirituality mm-hmm. of the church. So and, like a religious but not yeah, a spirit Yeah, you can filled. sense that yeah. religious spirit yeah. that's yeah. there. Yeah. You know, everything is so traditional. Mm-hmm. And even to the that dress. Is so interesting. The dress, like like mm-hmm. like Pastor Josh may not realize it, but just him not getting up every Sunday morning with that three piece suit on or that yeah. double breast right. suit on. Yeah. yeah. It makes yeah. a difference. It makes it relatable. Makes a yeah. difference. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the way you dress, it sends a signal also to the people, to the congregation, because they yeah. feel like they can't relax. 
they don't feel comfortable wearing their jeans or mm. coming or which is very sometimes that's different culturally that, you know even in the south there there may be places where they still are like no this oh, is of course it, feel awkward but i think you've hit on something both of you that's so important probably the best answer we could give to that is the fact that it's not about a religion religion always creates problems yes, it, does. Mm-hmm. it always creates division yes, yes because yes. it's about what i am and what you're not yes you know it creates all of that um I recently, I think it was two summers ago, I read the book, I Am Malala. Y'all know that's her story. She was a girl, a young girl in the Middle East who was shot for going to school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Just a beautiful story, and I just love learning about her. But um, her story, it was interesting when she would tell about, um, just like in Christian religions, mm-hmm. they have a wide spectrum. So they're there, some that are very traditional, and this is yeah. what we do. And then there are others that are more like, she's like, I have my picture taken. Whereas her mother wouldn't, you know, they've got different standards. Um, It's interesting, though, that any religion, I saw things in that religion that mimicked sometimes the division, the putting down of women, the putting down of race, Mm -hmm. the putting down of all kinds of things, um, sometimes even economic status. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? This is weird because I'm seeing something that's across the world that is, of course, it's a false religion, but I would say there are churches with maybe a Baptist or Christian name that they aren't teaching the gospel. They are doing exactly what you're talking about, Bernadine. They are producing religion, and that creates division, and it it turns people away because I'm better than you, or you don't need to speak, or you need to sit back here, and that's so... Oh, ladies, that was really good. But we got to get back to our question. <laughs> what a rabbit trail. I knew this was going to be such a fun podcast, but uh, we, we need to get there. Can someone share with me maybe an experience that you've had? It could be from your childhood or it could be something recent. It may be big, maybe small, but that you say, you know, this was something I'd say, yeah, I did experience racism. Mm-hmm. It's not dead. Go ahead. Um, I mean, growing up in Irvine, California, particularly, I think for up until maybe third or fourth grade, it was myself and one other black student in the school. So I do remember very poignantly people calling me nigger and making fun of me because I was black. How old did you say you were at this point? Um, I would have been like third or fourth grade, elementary school. So, you know, 80s. We've never had this conversation. I didn't know this. Go on. I'm sorry. Please continue. Yeah. Well, Irvine was very, um, you know, it wasn't very multicultural at that time. Actually, let me take that back. Irvine was multicultural in terms of there were, I went to school with Vietnamese kids, Korean kids, Chinese kids, Japanese kids. Um, Like I can tell the difference between different types of Asian cultures, which my cousins are like, how do you know? I'm like, oh girl, you just know. I grew up around a lot of that. Um, Persian, um, Southeast Asian in terms of people from India. And of course, white people, Caucasian people. Um, It just wasn't a lot of black people. So... I did experience that as a child with kids, you know, saying rude and inappropriate and just hurtful things. And as a kid, you know, it just you just take it real personal as a kid. Mm -hmm. It hurts. Um, As an adult, I, you know, I feel really blessed to say I have not experienced that as an adult that um, overtly. What I have experienced as an adult is more covert Racism. So those are the ones that smile and and then behind your back they like that black. You know, so I have experienced that. So like in the workplace, it workplace like school. Um, 
Yeah, I've definitely experienced that. And then here in Las Vegas, which I thought was so interesting because I went to school in Florida for a a few years and I would have thought being in Florida, which I forget Florida is still very much the South, Um, going to Florida and being in the South, I was prepared. I was like, okay, if somebody comes at me, you know, I'm ready. But I didn't experience that. So I was in my twenties. Okay. Um, and, and, but I didn't experience that at all. Like, it was different because if people didn't care for you, they didn't mess with you. They didn't bother you. They didn't have anything to say to you. You were just a non-factor, which was fine by me. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, and if they did like you and they did mess with you or, or considered you a friend, then you were a friend. And there wasn't that, you know, behind the scene type of prejudice. But here in Nevada, like I said, Nevada still is very much the wild, wild west. And I have seen prejudice and racism here that I have <laughs> never seen anywhere else. Um, can you give an example? Because, again, I, I live can. in the same so, state. And just don't see it as often. And not trying to be blind to it, but you just. So, like I said, it's kind of like that covert um, situation. So, and I think it's more in the way people interact with me. And someone might hear this and be like, well, you don't know if they were being racist. But I know because I I just, I felt it. Um, I had a situation where I had to report to the sheriff's office because I was being accused of a hit and run. A truck and I had gotten a car accident. We waited for the police. It took way too long. We exchanged information and and we left the scene. Um, But then I get a notice in the mail saying that I'm being accused of a hit and run and I have to report down to the sheriff's office and everything. So I go down to the sheriff's office and I'm sure, you know, my Angela Budavari, like you don't know what you're going to get when you, you know, with that name, right? Who's coming through the door. So (laughs) I come in and I, you know, go to speak with this detective or whomever he was. And right off the bat, like his attitude, his demeanor towards me, the type of questions he was asking me, I was kind of like, okay, but you know, listen, my mama didn't raise no fool. So I know how to keep it cool and, and stay stay calm under pressure. So, and I'm explaining to him what happened and I'm, I'm giving him all the answers, you know, as the story, how it happened. And I remember him saying, well, why did you leave? I said, well, I had to go to work. You know, we waited there and they never came. Oh, you work? Yes, I work. I have a job. Like, how did you think I afforded the car? You know, and I didn't say that to him, but I was kind of surprised like that he would even question that I have a job. I'm thinking, okay, where is that coming from? Um, And then he was like, well, what did you do with, you know, he's like, well, we need to go out and see the car. So we go out into the parking garage where I had parked and the car was fixed. Uh, We go to see the car and the car is fixed by now because the accident happened like two weeks ago. It was I remember it was the colder months. So my husband went to the junkyard and got another door to replace the door and the window that had gotten smashed because it's too cold to be riding around with no daggone window. So um, he's like, what? Where's the damage at? I said, well, we fixed it. Why'd you fix it? It's cold. It's I needed a window. Like it's cold. My husband went to the junkyard and he got it. Well, you're not supposed to do that, didn't you know? You weren't supposed to do that. I said, I'm sorry, sir. What handbook is that in? 
Right. What what handbook is that in that I'm supposed right. to know that I can't fix my car door window in the middle of winter? Right. You know, and he's like, uh-uh. and so it was just the way he was coming at me with the types right. of questions he was asking me. And that might just be, you know, a detective police officer type of thing. But it's like yeah. you you called me down here to ask me questions about this. I showed up. That should tell you something right there. Like, I'm not guilty of a hit and run. I'm giving you my side of the story, but it just seems like the way he was coming at me was just all left and wrong. Eventually, I think after speaking with me, he kind of realized, okay, I'm not dealing with, you know, what I thought I was going to be dealing with when she walked through the door. Um, I think, you know, when people talk with me and, and get a perspective of who I am and how I am, I'm, you know, I'm intelligent. I'm educated. I'm I'm not going to give you a hard time. And I know how to conduct myself appropriately. And I think once he cued into that, he kind of... I saw a switch. It was like night and day in how he was treating me. And I've had that happen many times, many times. Yeah, I love that. So showing grace in a midst of a situation where you really don't want to. And it's really difficult to, not easy to. And it's beyond grace. Like, I can't act a fool because I will be in jail. (laughs) They will have no problem locking my black little butt up. So it's like, you know, it's it's not just about, like, being gracious. It's also about just being smart. Being wise. and, And not you know, further antagonizing yeah. the situation um, to make it worse. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. Bernadine, what about you? For me, something happened to me and my husband this summer. We were walking, and um, we were at Blue Diamond and Buffalo. And right there, there's a little section there where you can sit. Uh, we sat there. Um, and this white guy came, he was riding a bicycle, he had this big uh, bulldog in a basket he was pulling on the back. And he was, you could tell he was intoxicated. So, we, he, he, we was, me and my husband was, was sitting there and he just started having a conversation with us. He was very friendly and, and uh, I can't even remember, remember what he was saying to us. So. We nodded and we were very cordial with him and he, rather than keeping it pushing, he decided to invade invade our space, which is, if I'm sitting here and you don't invade my space, you don't even know us. (laughs) So he gets off his bicycle, takes this huge dog out of the basket and comes right, and my husband was like, hey, we don't do dogs like that. You know, so this, he, I mean, he went from light to darkness, mm-hmm. just like that. Yeah. When my when my husband said, don't, the dog was huge. And um, he started cussing us, calling us the N-word. Mm-hmm. And my husband was about to just, and I was like, honey, don't. Right. It's not worth yeah. it. about to go there. My husband was <laughs> yeah. about to go there, and I was like, don't. It's not even worth it. We sat there, and I just—I've never—I looked him in his eyes. I never took my eyes off of him. He was just going in on us and just cussing us and saying all kinds of stuff. And uh, we got up and we walked off, and he just kept walking behind us, walking the bike and the dog, and and I—we stopped and we just 
stared at him, and I just stared him down until, I think just me staring him down, he just saw in my eyes, I was speaking with my eyes, is, is to say, we're not bothered about what you're saying. You know, you need to keep on going, because, you know. Right, right. You don't want both of us to to start, <laughs> you know. So I was just talking to him with my eyes, and eventually he just stopped talking and he left. But it was I had never experienced that. So anything when you were younger? I mean, I'm shocked even to hear my friend Angela's story. About you know, in the South, I can relate to what Angela was saying about being in the South. In the South, people leave you alone even white people, if they don't want to be in your, they don't say anything. It's like, like she said, you know, you may not like me being here, but just leave me alone. I'm cool with that. So in the South, you have a lot of that. But when people just blatantly, you know, just want to tell you how they feel about you and your presence on the earth, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, my favorite, go back to Africa. They say you can't return stolen goods. Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never heard that one before. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. But people but say that all the time. My response to that one was like, I was never there. <laughs> I would like that to go. Too. It's, 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 it's like yeah. in our small group, we're studying Job, and it's like... Uh, we were telling people, you know, it's like people tell Satan to get to hell or go back to hell. He's never yeah. been there. He's going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> They're always amazing. Yeah. Sheikah, what about you? Um, so when I think about uh, my younger years, um, you know, I remember, um, and I was a very quiet child because I learned very quickly that I only needed one spanking. So everything after that was, yes, yes, ma'am, and mm-hmm. what time? Um, so I was just very quiet, um, you know, paying attention to my teachers. And so there was nothing much going on with me. Um, but when I did talk, you know, I had things to say, and I, and I said them as, you know, they came to my head. And so people would tell me, or my classmates would tell me, friends would tell me, or, you know, other teachers would tell me, oh, you, you know, you speak well. Or they would say, um, you sound like a white girl. And I just feel like, you know, I did get offended mm-hmm. towards that because I'm, you know, and I, and I would say this, I'm like, you know, um, I'm black. I sound like me. Uh, I have a couple other cousins. We all, <laughs> we all sound the same. Um, you know, in California, you have that yeah. You know, you don't want it, but it comes. It does. It comes. <laughs> that, that California accent. Um, but it was just like, you know, you know, I from then on when I was young, I was like, I have to represent, you know, these black African American people because we we don't all talk ghetto. Like I'm personally, like it really it bothers me. It, it gets on my nerves. It's one of those pet peeves. Mm, you know, yeah. it's like don't talk it during is. the movie and then use your words, <laughs> all of them, pronounced all the way. But um, that was just something I was like, okay, I'm not going to take that as a compliment. They were giving it to me as a compliment. Right. But I'm like, this is not a compliment. This is this is how this just is how we do it. This is how we do it. And and for me, it was like, oh, you just haven't. Well, it's not I'm your fault. To say it a compliment, but in that way, right? It's a backhanded. Yeah. It was it was racist. Yeah, it was very racist. But yeah. it was also a show that they didn't have enough exposure to mm, variety. A variety of because we're we're not. You are going to get some right. ghetto black people. That's going to happen. Yes. They're out there. Yeah. 
you're gonna get ghetto everywhere. Yeah, you get my experience. There you go, Heather. There's there's ghetto everywhere. Um, But if you don't have enough exposure, if you have exposure to a certain kind, that's just what you're you're after. So it's like I can't blame you at this point, but let me introduce you to me, maybe a couple of my cousins, and let's see if your worldview changes. Um, In the workplace here, um, can I just stop you and say that is so grace filled and not easy Mm -hmm. because to say. Okay, because that would be the hardest thing for me. Can I just be real with you? That would be the hardest thing for me is when I'm feeling so strongly, you are just being awful. You are being racist. You are, you're speaking against me. You're speaking against my family, my heritage. And then to say, you know what? You don't understand. To say, okay, here's the, I mean, it's 1 Corinthians 13 is what you're talking about here, which is saying, I'm going to love you and give you the benefit of the doubt and help you. (laughs) And that is not easy to do. And probably, I I mean, it's always possible to love, not that they'll always receive that love or change, but that's not our job to change them. I'm sorry, continue on. That was really good. No, but it's true. And Jesus is doing all of this, by the way, not me. (laughs) Um, uh, but in the workplace, um, I've experienced, I actually had like a peer come to me and, um, again, I will, I will go with the flow, but if there's times where the flow needs to be challenged or stopped for a reevaluation, um, I don't mind doing it, you know? So, um, you know, I came onto the scene, I was new on the team and I just, I had questions. So I asked them, um, and I had that one of the peers from the team come to me, come to my office, close the door and, um, just went to tell me just how he felt about the whole situation, you know, how I was bringing up things and, and trying to change things. And we've always done it this way. And this is why. Um, and so I just sat there and I listened up until the point where he decided to say, um, well, I know that you're probably like the first one in your family um, to go to college. Oh, and no, he didn't. Oh, yes, he word. did. Yes, he did. So, See, and that's the kind of stuff yeah. that's so hard to wrap oh. our minds around. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> I was sitting there. Uh, recent. Yes. I mean, this is like, I'm thinking, oh, that's from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. it, it, but no, that was recent. That, yeah. was, that was recent. That was like a, a couple years ago. And... I was just, because I was listening. I was trying to connect all his dots, and I was understanding if I was in his shoes, yeah, I would I wouldn't, I would be like, yeah, why is this young girl coming in here and trying to change everything? Was he so, much older than you? Yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to follow, I'm trying to follow him, and then he says this, he makes a statement, and, I, and I'm trying to wrap my head around the statement, and I was like, what made him think that I'm, and I'm like, oh, I'm, okay. Oh. All right. Okay. So. As I'm trying to process that, I don't know what he said after that. But then when he was done, I just proceeded to tell him, you know, um, basically, you know, you're kind of wrong. I'm not the first one in my my family to go to college. Um, You know, I gave him a couple other people in my family went to college. But I was like, besides that point, however, even if I was, can you tell me what does it matter? Exactly. What does it matter? I said, if you, what is it that you need to get done differently going forward? And let's focus on that because my family's educational experience in the past is not going to not help. related to the job. Yeah, it's not going to help the situation. Um, but what it did for me, like I took that as an opportunity um, to understand this person that I'm working with. I understood, I understood that he was looking at me at a cer- in a certain way, at a certain view. He had a certain thought mm-hmm. um, about the world around him. And so it would just be wise to me 
to not fight that or argue or debate that, but come alongside and be like, hey, my name is Tashika. I'm a child of God. I give grace and you're welcome because you need it. And this is, is and, strong, and this is how statement. I love it. This is how some black people do things. This is how some black families are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. this is, you know, it's new. But let me let me introduce it to you. Mm-hmm. And when I go and talk to you now, I'm going to I got it mm-hmm. now. You're making me work because I got to be a little bit more strategic yeah. about what I'm saying, because. I need, you know, we got to be, if, what do we want to do with our life? If I need to work with you and I need to do it effectively, you know, even if your level is not the level that yeah. I desire or that can offend me, who cares? What is the end game? We need to work well together. How do I do that? I know exactly where you stand. How can I work around that? Possibly give you a good example example possibly show you a little bit of Jesus possibly introduce you you, yeah to you know (laughs) the good things about the culture how can I and that's a lot of work but you know what it's worth it because those people when they say oh I you know they're first he came to me treating me differently and and um, speaking to me differently because he saw me physically as differently Mm -hmm. but now he's seeing me and I'm different and he doesn't have a color to put on that he doesn't have a label or Mm -hmm. a prejudice to put on that now he's wondering what is the difference that I'm experiencing that I'm seeing it's beyond the color and that's where I'm like oh Wait, you just you come on a little closer because I'm going to show you Jesus. And you're good to do that because I can tell you from many conversations that I've had with women, men, whomever, people of color just in general, not just black people, but just people of color in the workplace. Everybody doesn't have the patience, the energy or the time to put that type Mm -hmm. of effort into making you understand who I am so that you're comfortable to work with me. Right. Mm -hmm. Everyone does not have the patience. Everyone doesn't feel like that's their daggone job. The same is true (laughs) in in Christendom. I mean, seriously, in we've talked about religion and relationship today. And when you discover the relationship with Jesus and you really understand grace is not just for salvation, but it's for every day. And grace changes you in such a way that it's amazing when people are harsh or cruel, which they can be even in ministry setting. It's the closest thing I guess I can compare to. Uh, Well, that and being a woman, there's some similar challenges sometimes there, Mm -hmm. but, um, Sometimes people will say very cruel things, and you realize they just haven't discovered grace yet. Mm-hmm. And the best way to help them discover grace is to love and show grace. Yeah. Um, that's what changed our hearts. I can remember people that were different ministry. I'm not talking about race here. I'm talking about mm-hmm. ministry. Mm-hmm. They worshiped God differently, not anything against Scripture, but it was different from what I was used yeah. to. You were talking about they've never been around this. I had never been around something. And as I watched their walk with God be so real, they loved him so much. And it, it really was a contradiction in my spirit of how can this be? And that's exactly what you're doing here in racial relations of saying, you know, what, I'm going to love them which is, like you said, Angela, not easy and takes an investment of time and just being genuine with them yeah. and letting the Holy Spirit live through you and just so that they can see you've never been around this, but here's right. the yeah. real deal. Yeah. And oh, I, I'd like to say just in, in respect to this question, and you ladies can co-sign or not, but I think a lot of what we probably deal with is more prejudice. Like, I really don't like... 
I'm not going to say I don't like the word racism. Racism exists mm-hmm. very much so. Yeah. Um, and to think that it doesn't exist is very foolish. Mm-hmm. But a lot of what we probably deal with day to day in our interactions is more the prejudice, the stereotypes. Um, yeah, because yeah. some of these people, if you ask them, do you hate black people? They would be like, no. Yeah. You know, they don't hate black people. They just don't know nothing about us. Right. <laughs> and so they have like yeah. these preconceived notions of mm-hmm. like, you know, and exactly. and when Tashika was speaking about That's the really gentleman good. about like, you know, oh, you're probably the first in your family to go to college. Yeah. First thing I thought about, I was like, mm, he read an article. He read an article somewhere <laughs> right. about like how, you know, 95 percent of African-Americans are first time college in their family. Yeah. And so it's like when you hear things like that, you kind of like to just do the head tilt and wonder like where he's getting that information from. And, and because, you know, listen, no fault to his own he may have gotten some information that it could very well be true there are a lot of first generation black people you know in the and white people very true but it's like he got that information and he kind of ran with it and and used it in the wrong way he should he should have donated to the united negro college fund or something if that was an issue for him but not like you're just assume yeah yeah not just assume put a quarter in here make a donation not just assume so sometimes people educate themselves and they get information but again their experiences are not there and their group their people their tribe the folks that they interact with are not necessarily maybe cluing them into what the reality of it is so you know you just kind of I think that's where the grace comes where you're just kind of like okay I'm gonna give you a pass because clearly you watched you know BET last (laughs) night or something and now you're feeling all empowered and educated (laughs) Um, but at the same time like you've kind of got it a little twisted and (laughs) I know there's probably more examples you could share that we just don't have time for Um, and I hate that we don't have time for it because again it is difficult because um, it's just something that's hard to step into there's always that assumption of oh well no we all, you know, there's sometimes the, mm-hmm. this person at the checkout's grumpy to me, too, you know, and that's, but there is a difference, and it's something we don't always sense, and, and we're not always, as white people, sensitive enough, too, because we've not been exposed to it, honestly. Right. Um, so, but here's the beautiful thing that we've kind of really circled around from the beginning, uh, is that I know no matter what comes in life, God can use it if you're following him. That's the beautiful thing about being mm-hmm. a Christian is nothing is wasted on us. Is that's it? true. And so maybe there's a verse or just a truth that God has sustained you in during those painful moments or during a scary time or during a time that you just got really angry because that's a natural response to be like, this is unjust, mm-hmm. you know, um, even a righteous anger can come in there. But how do you deal with that? What is something that God has maybe spoken to your heart about or used maybe a passage of scripture or whatever that you'd share that you say, you know, this really helped me? Mm. Well, I would, I just know God is no respect of persons, you know, so he, he came to save the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no color. It, it, it's it's just it's kind of like when when Cornelius had the vision and God told him to send for Peter and he let down the mm-hmm. it, it, you know the sheet or whatever it was the, the four with corners all the different animals. And, uh, yeah with all the different but there, there was a message in that it wasn't about the animals it was about mm-hmm. a new relationship 
Jesus brings about a newness of life, relationship. Mm -hmm. There is no color. God is colorblind. If people, there's stupidity in race. You have to be stupid Mm -hmm. to be a racist. I mean, to think that just because the color of the skin, I'm inferior to you. Right. That is so foolish. And and, um, if you can be taught to hate, you can be taught to love. Yeah. So oh, that's so well. Said. Hatred is is yeah. is taught. It's learned. That is so true. It, it, to think that you're instilling, it, it, we don't have enough time. I'm like I said, I come from a total different generation than you guys did, and the truth of the matter is, as a growing up in the, I was born in the fifties, growing up as a little girl in segregated. Uh, Black people did not teach their children to hate white people. You didn't go in a black person's house and ever hear them saying, sit down, let me teach you about these white people out here. (laughs) You never heard that. It became necessary. And now, it's more necessary now that black people have to teach their children to be cautious. We did not, we we never heard, uh, you be careful about the white people out here, there. We didn't hear that. Our parents didn't, didn't teach us that. Right. But now, it, you have to literally teach your children to, I, I know... Police officers are supposed to serve the community to protect and serve. But like you said, you have to be careful. You have to teach. This is right. racism is real. It is these prejudices and, and this hatred, the spirit of hatred. It is so real. Yeah. And we have to now we have to teach our children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and for as you as a white mother, you yeah. you teach your children if they're if they're colorblind, you're gonna have teach them the truth. We cannot I, I know that sounds good to say you're colorblind, mm-hmm. but you can't be yeah. colorblind. Because if yeah. your little child has a black friend, watch out for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. That was one of the questions I had posed that yeah. we just really haven't gotten to, and yeah. I'm glad you addressed it. So you kind of answered, because my children being raised out here, being raised in a Christian home, um, my son, he loved um, Hispanic, the Hispanic boys mm-hmm. in his class. There were about two or three little, uh, and it was funny, I say Hispanic. One is Filipino, a couple Hispanic. <laughs> but he would say to his teacher, the brown boys are my friend. And he never, it was never derogatory. Right. And he right. thought it was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Like, he wanted mm-hmm. to be brown, you know? It was like, they're the coolest people ever but I love what you said there because I was thinking well what do I share when they don't have the truth. that you share you've got the to truth. help and look out and stand mm-hmm. for what is right stand for yeah. what is right you and, and be there and if, if, that's what if we're supposed to be yeah, yeah right if your children yeah. are going to have uh, black friends yeah. or or friends of color mm. if you're out with them you're going they will eventually experience that grace that you have as a white person that that little black or or child of color does not have and and it's up to you to to um 
say, hey, this is my friend. Yeah. You know, you we, we've got to stand up for each other. Well, as I, Christians, we're yeah. always supposed to stand for the weak. Yes. That is stand what we're supposed for the to do. And we don't always think about that, but mm-hmm. being ready to stand right. and mm-hmm. anything that's needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, if you get called to the police station again, I'll go with you. <laughs> I, I hope to not get called to the police station again. Okay. Angela, what would you say that's something that you've learned that the Lord's taught you or ministered to your heart in this way during this? Um, you know, I, I always think about the verse. That verse. <laughs> I always think about the verse, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I think that is so applicable just throughout life in any respect when you're dealing with challenges and when you're dealing with people who maybe mean harm to you um, or have a preconceived idea of you or trying to, you know, get you in trouble or just trying to look for something negative about you. Um, I think of that. I think just in terms of being a Christian and and being a woman of color, I have just learned, you know, absolutely grace, but grace more so in the sense that it's like, listen, a lot of people out here just don't know. You know, it's just like the same grace you show to somebody who's a non-Christian or somebody who doesn't know the Lord, who doesn't know the gospel. And, you know, sometimes, you you know, you may interact with them and you're like, oh, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's that yes. type of grace. Like, I am not going to take it personal. I'm not, you know, out for your head because you said this, that, and the third. I'm just going to chalk it up as, like, you're clearly not in the know. Um, it's not always going to be my job to educate you you have to figure that out on your own but um at the same time like you're just you know you're not in the know you don't know what my life is like you don't know all the experiences you think you have an idea but you have no clue um and or you're not interested in educating yourself to learn um and that can be, like I said, sometimes you have the energy for it, sometimes you don't. But I know in those experiences, I've always truly appreciated people like Heather who have just been like, okay, so I heard about this and what is this? And, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I like, I, I don't mind educating people on that, you know, especially, you know, with other ladies because it's like, it's girl talk as far and, as I'm concerned. Right. See, and, you know, that it goes back to what you said about exposure is I never had that growing mm-hmm. up. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up in a town that was predominantly white. We did yeah. have a Hispanic community. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, it wasn't. Right. I don't think we were being intentionally well, segregational, but we, I mean, we just were. Nobody was on the real. You could have. I mean, it was kind of out in the sticks. You could have grown up in a, a town full of black people. You still might not have known anything about a hot comb. So you know what I mean. Like, there's just yeah. things that you're just not gonna have exposure to for a very variety of reasons. I love the verse that you shared. That, and that's hard to remember. I I talk to again people that get hurt by many different things, sometimes for the name of Christ, sometimes just personally, things done against them and remembering, no, this can't stand because I am a child of God. It's another benefit. Not only is nothing wasted that's performed or happened to me, but nothing can prevail. It's like the verse that I cannot remember where it is, but it's where it says we are this, but not this. We are cast down, but not destroyed. All these things, we are not forsaken. You know, and that's important to remember in those moments mm-hmm. is this is really hard, but it's not this because I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. Real quick, Angela, and before Tashika wraps this up, I know you and I have talked a little bit about this, about teaching your children. What are some mm-hmm. things that you've tried to teach your children 
um, mm. about being an African-American in the society today. Yeah. And that's interesting for young. my children. Young. They're young and they're half white. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, it's like and they're just like everybody else's kids. Like, you know, if I say black, they're like, mommy, that's racist. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. But OK, brown, whichever, whatever. Yeah. You know, um, I've just taught my kids really like everybody should be teaching their kids that you don't judge people right. by the color of their skin. You don't assume things about people right. because of the color of their skin. Um, you know, and and really more so I find myself in a, having a lot of conversation about like not <laughs> for lack of a better term not, not don't believe the hype. Like just not um, buying into a lot of the propaganda mm-hmm. and a lot of what they see. We don't, you know, have cable, so we're not necessarily getting a lot of this from TV. I think they're getting it from other kids at school. I think sometimes they're even getting it from school and their teachers. I don't know. Like, my kids come home and say some weird stuff sometimes, and I'm like, who told you that? Who said, who shared that with you? You know, my son is talking about the war against Mexicans. Like, what? What are you talking about? And it's like, I have to educate him and let him know that people are people. God made us all, that he loves us all, and as Christians, we're to love each other other um you know it's driving home that message that like you know love christ love the lord and love each other and that just transcends language color socioeconomic status it transcends all of that i think the warning against hype and for lack of a better term i'm going to say media i think social media media itself has gone to something that tends to stir up in just about any area because that's how you get clicks Mm-hmm. That's how yes. you get comments. That's yeah. how you get people to tune in. It's yeah. you have a, a crazy headline yeah. or you get something divisive and it's something that really just yeah. I hate that is part yeah. of the age we live in. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Got some good stuff with it's the true. technology. Yeah. yeah. But man, that's one of the downfalls. Yeah, it is. So she can wrap us up here. What is something that the Lord's really taught you throughout all this? Um so I'm going to give you guys the scripture and you're going to be like, where is she going with this? But um, when when I got saved, um, this lady came to me and um, she told me that God told her to give this scripture to me because I was going to need it for the rest of my life. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, what is it? You know, um, I was, <laughs> yeah. you know, new, newly saved. Um, I didn't know anything like my mom had just uh, bought me a Bible. She wasn't saved herself, but she was like, you can go do it if you want. Um, so the, the scripture that she gave me was Matthew six thirty three, where it says, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And so I was like, when I read it, I was like, you know, I was like, wah, 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 wah. yeah, <laughs> I was like, that's, you know, okay, you know, um, and, you know, I just kept living life and, um, and I would just wonder from time to time, like, when is this going to kick in? <laughs> you know, like when did, you know, when did I get my revelation story? Um, but when I look back upon my life and, you know, even with, with this here, um, you know, with this topic that we're talking about today, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I understand it a lot better um, every year. You know, we're going into this new year. We're I'll be, we're here right now. I understand it even better today that, um, you know, I wanted to know, like, God's heart because I was, like, I, I was just so, like, overwhelmed and in shock of how he could love me, you know? And so I just wanted to, like, get to know this God. Like, who is this God that would love me? And getting to know him, I just... 
I, I found out that he was just a lover. He loves everybody in his heart. And what he truly wants is us, a relationship with us. And so for me early on, when I was learning the scriptures, it was like, if that's what God wants, then I want, I want that for him. Cause he's done this great thing for me. I want to be able to do something for him. And I want to, I want to meet him where his heart is and his heart is us where where his heart is and so it's like for me and it's and it's hard because you know we're just naturally selfish people um but before all that we are children of god and we will we need to walk in that 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 label that title um but it's like you know what put me to the side because regardless if this person is you know ignorant if you know if you know, they're offending me, if they're mistreating me, regardless of what it is that is happening to me, it is not about me. The kingdom of God is what it's about. And my actions, my my reaction to you could be a stumbling block to you getting into the kingdom. So I have to move out of the way. And all I have to offer you is this grace that has been poured over me so that you can receive the love and the just go with it attitude that I got because that's what matters. Well, Doesn't well, I matter just need to go to the altar right now. Very so powerful. She goes, <laughs> it is. I, I have much lesser evils done against me, and I don't handle it it's with that much powerful. grace. So that is powerful, truly. Ladies, um, I feel like we don't normally do this, but I think we're going to close today in a word of prayer. I'm going to pray, uh, Lord. Uh, the Lord will just continue to bring yes. healing in yes. our nation yes. um, and stop the division, and that we will be more conscious of this and standing for the weaker brother yes. all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my friends, Lord. And thank you that your body, Lord, is so diverse. God, that you have accepted us, that you chose us, Lord, that you made us so unique, Lord, that you brought us together and bound us together in your family, Lord. That is such a privilege, Lord. And the more we get to know you, the more we get to know your children, the more we can appreciate that. Lord, I pray that even now you would be the light in our country, Lord, that you would be the light that we show others, as Tashika said, that as these ladies have shared, Lord, that we would just let that grace overflow, even when it's difficult. No matter what we or those listening today face, Lord, for your children all over this country, no matter what they face in the coming days, months, and years, I pray, Lord, that we would just see you and look to you above all else, God, that we would give our hurts, our injustices, God, to you. You are the righteous judge, Lord. We thank you for being that. We thank you that we can trust you for that. We thank you that it doesn't go unseen, Lord, that it's, that it is important to you what's done to your children. But Lord, I thank you that you are enough to give us the grace to respond, even in those situations. Lord, I pray that you bring healing and unity, even in our nation, Lord, as we're not always aware of it, but all over there's different divisions going on that there are, our Lord, an enemy. We have an enemy who's just stirring up conflict. Mm-hmm. And I pray, God, that you would use this bad thing, this awful wickedness, Lord, to make yourself shine even more. And I pray, God, that people would receive you even through stories like this. 
Lord, thank you again for your goodness and your grace. We love you so very much. In the name I pray, amen. 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 Ladies, this has been so good, and we yeah. probably our longest podcast, but I could just keep going on. <laughs> but we are done. I just want to thank you for sharing so vulnerably and so openly, and um, you are just all treasures to my heart, and I love you and appreciate you. Thank, thank you. Listener, we are glad you you're here us. with us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, if you are not a part of Southern Hills, I hope you'll check us out. There are some wonderful ladies. You met three of them today, and they were would love to get to know you. We'd love for you to come and be a part of the Aspire Ministry here. If you're connecting long distance, we're glad you're here too. We hope this has been a blessing to you. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.